This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan. You are listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Welcome back. I have another episode for you here, another interview with an inspiring Langpreneur. And today I'm talking to John of Outlier Linguistics. And the reason I'm talking to John is that, you know, usually we always recommend to first build an audience, figure out what they want, and then create a product for that audience, right? And start selling it. Well, that's not the only way to build a language business, especially if you're good with technology, for example. You know, you can also do the other way around. You can also first create a product and then find an audience. And that's exactly what John and his co-founder, Ash, have done. So they basically created a dictionary for Chinese characters. And today we're going to learn how they put it out there to the world without having an audience when they started. So... A few things that we're going to cover in this interview today. How can you validate your product idea? How to build relationships with potential mentors? Because it's very hard to do everything alone when you get started, as you probably know. Um, can you run or can you build or can you grow a language business entirely of running social media ads? And many more tips and stories that you're going to hear on the podcast today. So if you're ready, then let's get started. Here is my interview with John. Hope you enjoy. Hey, John, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Sure. So um, yeah, I'm John Rinfro. I'm CEO and co-founder of Outlier Linguistics. Uh, and basically what we do is, uh, well, what we're known for is helping people learn Chinese characters more effectively. Yeah. Um, and so we have, um, online course and dictionary and, uh, like a dictionary add on for Plico, you know, people who are studying Chinese will know Plico, yeah. uh, or Pleco. Uh, I think either one goes, but <laughs> Mike Love, the, the, the owner of the company calls it Plico. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, um, we also have, you know, some PDF posters and whatnot, uh, but more recently, we've been doing a course about pronunciation. So we're the character guys, but we also have an online course about learning Chinese pronunciation too. Yeah. So, so you have that for Mandarin and then also kanji guides for, for Japanese learners? Yeah, we're, we're beginning to adapt everything for Japanese. Um, we've hit a couple speed bumps along the way. Uh, we're basically, we're, we've got the data ready, but... Um, uh, we haven't released our app yet, the dictionary app for Japanese. But once that's out, which should be uh, fairly soon, then uh, we're going to start adapting the courses over for Japanese as well. So, okay. yeah. And I'm so, actually based in Tokyo, so that, you know, it's a good next step for us. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background, like your background in, um, in Mandarin, because you studied mandarin not not only that much more um yeah tell us a little bit about that and how you ended up in tokyo yeah sure so um i started studying mandarin when i was in college uh, i was actually a music major um i was studying film music and uh i just kind of started taking it upon myself to watch movies from all over the world 
Um, I mean, it was really a way of slacking off from my schoolwork well, convincing myself that I was doing something productive related to my major. <laughs> um, but then I watched um, Hero, a movie with Jet Li uh, yeah. called Inchong in Mandarin. Yeah. Um, and I watched that in the theater and I just thought, it, maybe it was because I was a musician and that the tonal aspect of the language was fascinating. But anyway, I just thought it was a really interesting sounding language. Um, and then there was the scene, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's a scene where there's a a calligrapher and he's got this long brush and he's like writing. I didn't know at the time, but it was an ancient, you know, version of the script, but, um, he just, he wrote this character on the scroll and I just thought it was the coolest looking thing in the world. And so the next day I went out and like got the Pimsleur course and started learning, um, and then I just, after college, I got more and more into it. Um, I was learning it like as a hobby while I was working. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I hated my job. And so I um, applied for scholarships to go to Taiwan. Um, well, I applied in both Ch- Taiwan and China, but I got the scholarship in Taiwan. So I ended up there. Yeah. Uh, and then ended up after a year. Um, I mean, I was, you know, when I got there, I was kind of basic level, but I hit the books really hard. Um, and within a year I started working as a translator freelance. Oh, really? And then, um, after that I applied for, uh, you know, to start a master's degree at, um, Taiwan Shufan Dashia. Yeah. And, um, Taiwan Normal University. No? Yeah. National, National Taiwan National Normal University. University. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I should do that in English, right? Cause everybody <laughs> else is better. Um, yeah, so I, um, Applied for a master's degree in the Chinese department, mm-hmm. uh, studying um, linguistics and paleography, basically. So oh, yeah. paleography is a study of the ancient script. And so I, uh, my courses mostly focused on like warring states, excavated bamboo texts. Um, but I also took courses on anything from, from Oracle Bone Script, uh, which is like the earliest form of the written language. Mm-hmm. Up until uh, later stuff like you know, reading cursive documents by later you know later scholars and whatnot, uh, and so basically, I got a big overview of how the writing system changed from its original form into yeah. what it is today, mm-hmm. right? And some of the some of the stuff you learn, you you start to see the logic of how this stuff works and why the characters look the way they do today, and it's like man, if somebody had told me this when I first started learning, it would have been so much easier for me to learn all these characters, you know, like understanding the logic behind it. And, um, and yeah, so while I was doing that, I met uh, my co-founder at Outlier, Ash, uh, Ash Henson, who he, when we met, he was already a PhD candidate in the teaching Chinese as a foreign language department, but he had done a lot of paleography in the Chinese department where I was. Um, and actually when we met, he was in the process of switching over to that department. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, we hit it off like immediately. He, he was from Austin, Texas, and I had lived in Austin, Texas for a couple of years. And we were both like super language geeks and both into paleography. And yeah, so it was just, we hit it off and we started outlier together. Like we actually both had kind of the same idea of, oh, a dictionary of, you know, character etymology um would be a, a really cool thing to do mm-hmm. uh we had those ideas that idea separately and when we met it was like 
obviously Ash had developed the idea a lot further than I had being a PhD student and whatnot, but um, yeah. And so we started about five years ago. Okay. So what was the first project that you guys did together? Was it a dictionary? Was it something else? And how did you come up with the idea? I mean, was it just your own idea based off, you know, the experience? Of yeah. The I mean, it was, um, I had always kind of been interested in character etymology and, um, and when I say character etymology, what I really mean, because a lot of people think that we're like, they, they hear us talking about this and they go, oh, they're teaching ancient characters. It's not like that. I mean, uh, we have to do the research on ancient characters in order to explain the modern characters and why they look the way they do. But we don't expect students to learn all the ancient stuff. I mean, that's so when I say character etymology, what we're really doing is we're just teaching the logic of the, of the modern writing system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the first project was the dictionary. Um, he had basically come up with the whole framework for it um, before we met. And I just sort of had this vague idea of this would be a cool project one day. Yeah. And yeah. He asked me to join in on it. Um, we did a Kickstarter. Oh, really? Uh, five years ago, I guess it's been five years ago that we did our first Kickstarter uh, for the Chinese dictionary. And before we did that, we uh, had met with Mike Love from Plico and yeah. um, pitched the idea to him and showed him a demo of what it would look like. And so we already had that, you know, contract in place before we did the Kickstarter, oh. which is really the only reason we were successful because we didn't know what we were doing with marketing and all that stuff. So, yeah. So what kind of contract was that? I mean, where was Pleco buying this idea from, from you guys or was it licensing or how, how, how did it work? Yeah. It's a licensing deal basically. Okay. So, they, so basically we, we developed the dictionary, we own the data and then we license it to him to include in this, in his app. Okay. And are they still using it in the app today? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's available. It's like a, you know, in app purchase, it's a paid add on. Okay. Because my, um, the question, the question that I had is how do you, I mean, you had this idea, but then, you know, you on the, on the podcast, we always talk about validating the idea, right? So you did the, um, the Kickstarter, which yep. was that successful or? Yeah. Yeah. We raised, uh, it was like $91,000, something like that. That's so it, it did reasonably well. Yeah. Was that enough to, to develop the, the thing that you wanted to develop? Um, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, I mean, like I said, we, early on, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we've learned some since then, but, uh, basically we're, we've always been, we're, we're strong on product. Like yeah. we knew what product we wanted to make. We knew it would be, uh, useful for people. When we talked to Plico, uh, Mike Love actually said that was one of, or maybe his most requested feature was like a really? character etymology add-on. Ah. And he said that he just hadn't found one that was worth licensing. Um, and so, yeah, when we came to him with that, he was like, yep, this is what I've been looking for. Yeah, and well. so that, that was basically the validation for us. And then, and then the, you know, the successful Kickstarter, I think we had 1500 people or so uh, back the dictionary on Kickstarter. Yeah. Well, um, and so how do you get in touch with, the CEO, is he the, the founder or the CEO of, uh, of Plico? Is it just a matter of sending an email or how do you? Yeah, it's just an email. He's, um, as far as I know, he answers all the customer support emails himself still. Really? And, and he's super fast about it. He, he's, he's super human about it, actually. I mean, it's crazy. Because wow. I'm sure he gets a pretty high volume of, yeah, you know, emails because it's super popular app. But um, we had exchanged emails a few times. And then Ash had basically... 
emailed him a few years, you know, before we started the project to just to say, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this project. What do you think? You know? Yeah. So he, he kind of knew who we were beforehand, but yeah, when we basically, when we were told him we were ready to pitch him something, he was like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. So how did you come up with the idea to license uh, your products to Plico? Was that like the idea that you had from the very beginning or was this only after you had the idea for the product? Um, yeah. So basically it was either license to them or compete with them. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's, there's nothing like Plico and, and we hope to, to, you know, build a competing product. So the idea from the beginning was basically to, to work with them. So you have the dictionaries, the, the, the deal with Pleco. What was, what was next and how did you know what to do next? Because I know that you guys now also have uh, Chinese character calls, a kanji calls as well, I think. Um, yeah. How do you go about, about those products? Like what was the, what was the strategy? Did you know what to do after? Tell us a little bit about, you know, how the business developed over the, let's say the last four years. Four, four yeah, years. sure. So, um, Actually, the, the dictionary is still under development. So we every, a few times a year we'll release an update with a few hundred new injuries. Um, and we also have like the expert version of the dictionary, which was really kind of deep into the history of each character and stuff. So it's a huge project that, you know, is taking quite a while to get everything finished. <clears throat> and so like we're, we're constantly working on that, creating new entries. And then um, basically we were running a bunch of ads on Facebook and whatnot. And sometimes they were working and sometimes they weren't. And so we were just kind of struggling. Like I said, we're, we've always been good at product, not so good at marketing. So um, mm -hmm. we were struggling and I actually met up with um, Peter from Japanese pod 101. Yeah. Who you've had on the podcast. And uh, he basically, you know, he gave me an assignment the first time we met and he said, you know, go home and come up with two products that you can launch within two weeks or that you can pre-sell, <laughs> pre-sell within two weeks. Yeah. Uh, because he, you know, we had done the Kickstarter. And so he was like, look, if people could, if people are willing to pre-order stuff that you make, then just come up with the idea, put out a demo. And uh, so, yeah, I came back to him and the, the idea was an online course about, how Chinese characters work, like the logic behind them, and also how to learn them more effectively. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, so do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, we basically, we shot a demo video. We came up with a curriculum. Um, you know, I, I wrote a series of emails to send out to our list about it. Yeah. And we launched in, it was actually about this time in November, two years ago. So okay. almost exactly two years ago that we, like first um, opened up signups. Yeah. The didn't actually start until January, but yeah. basically Peter's idea was launch it at, you know, launch it as soon as you can. Yeah. And then send out another email on black Friday. Yeah. And which turned out, we had never really focused very much on black Friday, but that turned out to be a brilliant idea because as many people signed up when we launched it, I think about the same number of people signed up over black Friday. So oh, really? we just had a really good, uh, you know, first month for the yeah. course and then released the first couple of videos in January and just basically did a, a video per like a lesson per week after that until it was done. 
Yeah. So you guys already had a mailing list, right? How do you how do you build that list? Was that yeah. How do you build that? Oh list? yeah. So yeah, this so we started building the list well before our Kickstarter actually. Basically when we first decided to do this dictionary, we started a little WordPress.com blog and I had a I had my own blog about learning Chinese. Okay. Um, like while I was while I was still living in Texas and then like my first year or two in Taiwan. Um, so I had some followers there and I had some followers on Twitter. And so, yeah, we, we started a, a blog on, on WordPress. Basically it was fairly technical, I guess, exploration of character homology, how it works and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, how characters corrupted over time, like structure, you know, becomes corrupted over time. And, um, I posted these to my Twitter and to, you know, I think I posted about it on my old blog that was, you know, defunct, but people were still subscribed. Mm -hmm. And we got between then and when we launched the Kickstarter, we, I think we had about 300 people on the mailing list. Okay. So a lot, not nearly enough to, to launch a successful Kickstarter, but um, we did okay for the first while. I, you know, I posted about it on Chinese forums and, I think on Kanji Kohi, which is like a site for people learning Japanese, but at the time they also had a Chinese learning page. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just posted around the internet a few places, Reddit. I, I can't remember if I posted to Reddit or if somebody else posted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got a lot of traffic from Reddit to our Kickstarter. And, um, yeah, and then, and then the mailing list basically... Well, Mike Love from Plico sent out an email about Kickstarter in the middle of it. And mm -hmm. so we got a ton of traffic from that. Yeah. Uh, and basically pretty much everyone from the Kickstarter joined our mailing list. Okay. Um, like I just, I've made an announcement. Hey, if you want to keep up to date on things, join our mailing list here. And then we started selling the stuff on our website too. And most people that buy um, would also, you know, enroll in the mailing list. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we launched the course, I think we had like 3,500 people on the mailing list and okay. nearly all of them were existing customers because almost all of them had bought the dictionary at some point. Yeah. Our buyers are much more likely to buy again, right? Than than cold, cold leads. So I guess that yeah, was a yeah, good foundation sure. to, uh, or a good list <laughs> that you could use to sell the, uh, the character courses. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, tell us a bit about the importance of membership. Of, sorry, of mentorship. We had Peter Galante from uh, Innovative Language on the uh, on the podcast a while ago. Um, people love that episode. I also love to do the interview myself, by the way. Um, it, yeah, t t tell us a little bit about that relationship and about how Peter has helped you guys to, well, to, with your strategy, basically. Yeah, so basically, um, I reached out to Peter because... Uh, at the time, we were sort of exploring business development opportunities. And so we were thinking we might try to license our dictionary data to different platforms for learning Chinese and Japanese. Mm -hmm. And so I, I reached out to to talk about the possibility of that. And uh, we met up for coffee. And just a few minutes into the conversation, he was like, I don't think you need a licensing deal here. I think you need some help. Because you know, he could tell we were kind of struggling financially and whatnot. So mm -hmm. that's what gave me that, that project. And, you know, I, later on when we met, um, and this, you know, this may be 
key for people who are thinking about looking for mentorship. Um, he was like super impressed that we actually followed through a homework assignment he gave me because yeah. he says a lot of times he meets people and he gives them advice or whatever. And then he never hears another thing from, or, or they, you know, they have excuses. Um, yeah. what? So, <clears throat> yeah. So we went home, we took the projects to the assignment seriously. I came back to him. Like, I think he even gave me a deadline. Like, I think we met on a Friday and he said, by Monday, I want you to tell me, you know, your two ideas. <laughs> I don't even remember what the second idea was. We knew the first one was going to be good. So, um, but yeah, on Monday, I sent him an email, the, like an outline of both product ideas that we had come up with. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, yeah, do it. And so we did it. And then I reported back how it went. And he was like, oh my God, dude, you followed <laughs> through. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And so ever since then, I mean, he's, you know, we meet a couple times a year. Actually, I, I need to get in touch with him. It's been, it's been a while since we've met up. I mean, you know, coronavirus and stuff. It's kind of, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So basically since then he's, he seemed, you know, pretty happy to meet and, and talk about stuff because mm-hmm. he knows that I'm serious and I'm going to follow through, I guess, is the, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. the, the takeaway from that. Yeah, so just so first of all, reach out, right? Just ask for help. And, you know, I also listen to podcasts and I watch a real lot of books. And, you know, I think it's a very, it's, it's a very common question, right? How do you find a mentor? And I think another tip there is to not directly ask, hey, do you want to be my mentor? Right? Because that is kind of a bit. Oh, sure. It's a bit scary yeah. for the person. Like, okay, what, what does the person want from me? But if you just ask for help, I think especially in our industry, you know, people are very, very willing to, to help and, and, and also just to connect to other people in the industry. And Peter is one of those guys, right? So, so you just, yeah, you yeah, just for ask sure. him for, for help, basically. And, and from there on, you just, you know, you didn't say, hey, do you want to be my mentor? But you just did what he said, right? And that's what, yeah. when you start seeing, hey, this, this, these guys are, you know, there's potential that they're, they're listening and don't have any excuses. And then, yeah. Any other tips yeah. or any other things that help them that you would recommend to starting Langpreneurs who like, yeah, do, do well, you really need help? I mean, how important is it in your opinion to, to have a mentor or somebody, you know, oh, more experienced? Uh, tremendously. I mean, especially, you know, in our, in our case, like uh, I, I think I've said this a few times, but we were product guys, right? We had, mm-hmm. we had never even thought about starting a company or anything like that. And so it's been a real learning process and you can either like hope that you figure it out yourself or you can talk to people who have been there and done it, Yeah. Um, you know, and reduce the amount of pain you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say one of the other things is don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was another, um, what was a, a startup other acquired recently but <clears throat> he, uh, it's a translation startup here in tokyo called gango mm-hmm. and uh, i was at a networking event some startup networking event years ago and um <clears throat> i wasn't even looking for mentorship or anything it's just the ceo was one of the guest speakers at this uh, event and he talked about you know it was a translation startup and he talked about his background in, in music and i was like hey you know we have language and music in con you know in, in common so i'm gonna go talk to this guy yeah 
And what was funny is that because here in Tokyo in the Tokyo startup scene, they're they're super well known. They're one of the like big Tokyo success stories, success yeah. stories for startups. Yeah. And um, it was funny because we talked for a few minutes and hit it off, and then you know we exchanged contact info. And then when he left, he like I was talking to somebody else, and he came over to me and he was like, "Hey, John, it's nice to meet you. Uh, you know, keep, you know, shoot me an email, and we'll keep in touch." Yeah. And people people I was talking to, they were like, how do you know him? Oh my God, that's amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> it's, it, it's, I mean, you know, it, that's a great guy, but he's not Bill Gates. I mean, you, you just go up to him and talk, you know, I mean, like, it's not, I, I think a lot of people are scared to go up and talk to successful, influential people. And, and yeah. that's, um, that's not a way to improve. I mean, you have to just get over that. Most people are nice and willing to help. I mean, he, he was super helpful. You know, we, yeah. we went through some, uh, trouble several years ago that he helped tremendously with so mm. so what do you say like when you went over to him and just say hey i also uh, we, we have similar backgrounds or what was the opening <laughs> what was the opening line do you remember that yeah i don't even remember I, i think he was talking to somebody else and so i just waited off to the side until he was done and then i just when he finished his conversation i just said um i actually i think he had said something during the his talk that i Ah. latched on to i forget what it was but yeah. uh yeah i don't even remember what i said to him but it was just kind of like yeah i mean it was basically yeah we have some stuff in common i studied music too um he had done like music and computer science and yeah um so yeah i mean we just we had something to talk about you know but i wasn't trying to work with a guy or, or get mentorship or anything it was just like i thought he might be fun to talk to you know Yeah, it just starts um, off with the relationship, right? And then if yeah, both absolutely. parties think or if the, the, the mentor think that you're a good fit and you also like the person, then you can all, yeah, always just let them know that you need help by just asking asking questions, right? And you, Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I mean, most people are, are pretty happy to help. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, they, there's an adage in the startup, scene which i've hung around with a lot of star people here so you hear things like uh if you want help ask for money <laughs> if you want money ask for help <laughs> yeah that makes sense. but i mean that, that is the way like you know people want to feel like they're they're being useful to you and that you're not just going after them for something right yeah um yeah. so that you know if you're trying to raise money the way to do it is to you know ask people for their advice on how to do stuff and then if they see you can execute on it then they might be willing to talk about investment but if you just go up and ask for a check like you know yeah. they're much less likely to be interested yeah that, that that doesn't work um tell us a little bit i mean we we talk to lots of guests here on the podcast and most of them first build an audience and then you know figures out what they want and and sell a product you guys did it all the way around do you have any Any tips or advice that you would give to, you know, entrepreneurs who are just starting out, who have a product idea, or maybe they already have a product? Um, yeah. yeah. What would you do in, in their situation? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, like you say, we, we kind of did it backwards. Um, fortunately, the product idea that we had was one that a lot of people wanted. And we were, we were pretty confident about that from the beginning, but Yeah, I mean, if you if you have an idea for a product or you already have a, something that you're building, just put it out there. You know, yeah. Um, see see if people like it. See if they hate it. Take their criticism, you know, grain of salt, but take it to heart and and see how to improve it. And 
build a thick skin because you're never going to have a time that everybody likes what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you say just put the product out there. And what if you don't have an audience yet? Like you guys reached out oh, to Plico. Is, is that something that you yeah. would maybe recommend to partner up with? with existing yeah i mean uh you know you can uh, there's there's a lot of ways you can do it a lot of people like to go onto reddit and you know hey i'm working on this project you know what do you think you know there's there's stuff almost every week on the on the chinese language subreddit and i'm sure on other language learning subreddits too um mm -hmm. and you know you could do that or you could go to some uh well-known blog and say here i'm working on this thing here's a free review copy you know is there any way that we can get an article on your blog you know you may have to pay or you might depends on, on who you're talking to but i mean there's a bunch of ways of building an audience you yeah. can run paid ads i mean if you've got mm -hmm. a little money to spare you can run paid ads yeah i guess yeah. it's really a matter of networking here right because you said that you know before you needed before you were pitching pitching plico you already had that relationship right your partner as you already you know had already reached out to to them a few times so yeah. i guess yeah. having that network helps yeah i mean just not being afraid if if what you're doing is valuable you know people aren't going to mind you reaching out mm -hmm. so um yeah i mean that that worked for us but had we not had that and we, you know we had gone a different way with it yeah there's a lot of ways you can do it just to discussion forums, post to Reddit, mm -hmm. start Twitter and start interacting with people, you know, uh, <clears throat> go on, uh, follow certain hashtags on Instagram and start interacting with people in the comments. And mm -hmm. I mean, a bunch of different ways you can do it. Yeah. So tell us a bit about running ads. I mean, many people have asked me like how, like, is it possible to, to build an audience in our niche uh yeah with only with ads only like social media ads. Mm. what what do you think like what is your experience with with ads um, it's uh promote a language product yeah it's it's rough i mean it's um i have a love-hate relationship with ads um to get the numbers to work right uh in our case we found it really like we get to the point where we have some successful ads, but then we can't scale them, yeah. you know? So uh, there are some tricks. If anyone's out there like running Facebook ads, Instagram, ads, uh, you can target your competitors, followers. Um, mm -hmm. There's something called lead enforce, which yeah. actually allows you to build custom audience in Facebook of your, you know, competitors, followers. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't work for, I mean, it works really well for a short time and then you out pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, 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 so, a, a very similar experience uh, experience with with running ads, and most people I talk to in our niche, you know, they they try ads and maybe it works for a while, or maybe it doesn't work, and then yeah, even if it works for a while, it just worked for a month, maybe two months, and then it's it's hard to, as you said, it's hard to scale after after a while you've you know, you're going to have reached everybody in your, you know, that's potentially interested in your product and social yep. media. And then the ads just stop working. So, yeah, many people, especially those who create a product first, 
and then think about maybe they can just grow an audience through ads. But as you said, uh, yeah, you're another person who can confirm that it's really it's really tough, right? Are you still doing it? It's though? tough. Yeah, we're still doing it. I mean, it's um, it it well, this year has been rough. I mean, you know, it, in more ways than one, but um. Yeah, it's been so. What we're doing right now, the as far as like what we're focusing on marketing wise, is uh, basically we're running. We have this automated webinar. Yeah, and it's like me and Ash talking for like forty-five minutes, giving like how to learn Chinese characters, and then at the end we pitch our like product package. Yeah, and it's all of our Chinese products, mm-hmm. you know, together one bundle. Yeah, and it's um the normal price is $300. And at the end of the webinar, we pitch it for like $199. Yeah. Now, if you're selling something at that price point, you can make Facebook ads work. You can make paid ads work. Yeah. Um, lower than that. I mean, a webinar funnel doesn't really work for much lower than $200. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Cause your, your costs just get too high. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've also had some luck with like, and I say luck cause it, like you said, it works for a while and then it stops, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if we, if we had a bigger team, we had somebody that was doing marketing full time, that would be one thing, but it's, it's just, you know, me and Ash. So, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, we had some, some luck with like, well, something we did before. So we did, we did a second Kickstarter for Japanese, like for mm-hmm. the Japanese version of the dictionary. Mm-hmm. And um, we ran that Kickstarter and we were hoping that, hey, we've got this successful dictionary for Chinese and now we're doing it for Japanese. Isn't that great? And nobody cared. I mean, the, the Kickstarter was just a flop. Yeah. So we went, okay, we, we have to, we're not known in the Japanese space yet. We've got to actually like build up an audience before we do this. So we spent a few months running uh, lead ads on Facebook, just collecting yeah. email addresses basically. Yeah. Uh, and we found some creative that worked. And it was, it was basically a, a pretty girl looking at her phone on a rooftop in Europe or something like that. And then like a screenshot of the dictionary demo yeah. floating next to her head. You know? But yeah. the, the thing performed like crazy. I mean, we, we got email addresses for about a dollar a piece. Yeah. So we ran that for a few months, built up a uh, mailing list for Japanese of about 3,000 people and then launched the Kickstarter. It was successful. And that worked. Uh, so yeah, it worked. And so oh. finding the right creative helps a lot. I mean, that it was like an Instagram looking, you know, sort of image and uh, sort of a lifestyle branding sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, we took that idea and started running similar ads for our Chinese, <clears throat> for our Chinese products that were already out. Mm-hmm. And they worked really well for a while, for, you know, for several months. Mm-hmm. Um, just, a girl used phone and, and having a shot of our dictionary or we would have like, we ran some ads that were like visual puns about characters, like some dude yelling into his phone or something mm-hmm. with his mouth wide open and then having a bunch of characters that have the mouth component. Yeah. Um, just goofy things like that. And, and those actually did quite well for a while. We had one that was like, and these are all stock photos. I mean, you go out and find a stock photo and yeah. that's eye-catching and figure out what you can do with it. Yeah. What do um, you write in the yeah, ad copy? We, we've had periods of time. What's that? What, what do you write in the uh, in the ad copy? Oh, 
we've tried a whole bunch of different stuff right now. So for the webinar funnel, we're basically like, um, you know, so you're learning Chinese and you're frustrated by the characters. What's there, you know, I was in your shoes once, yeah. but then I did this and, you know, I went to school and learned all this stuff about how the characters work. And now I've created this, these products for helping people learn characters. Yeah. And I want to help you by showing you, you know, our top eight tips for how to learn Chinese characters most effectively yeah. sign up below. And, you know, so it's, it's, I, a lot of times we just use the same cause we were video ads now. So a lot of times the same copy from the video is what's up in the, in the ad itself. So, yeah. Do you only do like Facebook, Instagram ads, or have you also experimented with uh, like YouTube ads, for example? I am actually in the middle of like trying to get set up with you with YouTube ads. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was just wondering like so, how, you know, what the difference is, and if if one performs better than, than the other in the, in in our niche. But yeah, maybe that's some, something for a future conversation. Then, so yeah, I mean. It, it seems from what I can tell, I haven't started running the ads actually yet. I'm trying to learn how to do it and, and get set up and everything. I'm not going to, you know, got an online course on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems like, so this is, uh, I'm sure some of your listeners have online courses, you know, kind of like ours. So mm-hmm. if you're in the like course creator type space, um, this is a, just a quick plug for a course that I took called course creator pro mm-hmm. and they just do a really good job of teaching you like whole process creating a course from like what camera to get and then, you know the settings that you need to know and how to edit videos all the way up to the marketing the advertising the scaling and everything yeah and they have a module about youtube ads that they're in the process of releasing and it's been super useful Mm-hmm. Um, but from what they say, YouTube ads, like Facebook ads can be really good or they can be really bad. And it's really, it varies a lot, but say that YouTube ads are supposed to be a lot more stable. So I guess I'll find out soon. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, especially if you're selling a video course or if you're giving a webinar, I guess another benefit of YouTube ads, that if you have a YouTube channel with a big audience, you can also, you know, you have lots of people to retarget. Right. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, I've, I know quite a few Langpreneurs who've been very successful with that, YouTubers, right? Because they have a big audience. So, yeah, well, looking forward to seeing right, how yeah, that yeah. goes in the, in, the, in the future. So is running ads yeah. the, main, or the main growth strategy for you guys now? Or like how do you, because you already have a product, like how do you, how do you guys get more uh, um, to build your audience? Yeah, I mean, historically, we've mostly focused on paid ads, um, but we're trying to get away from that at this point. Like like I said, this year has been super volatile when it comes to running Facebook ads. So it's like we've had times where we're just really well, and then we've had times that it's just flatlined. So we're trying to get away from relying on that primarily. So we're, we're actually working on beefing up our uh, affiliate program. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also working on more organic content, like for Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. Um, we haven't been super consistent with that, but you know, we're, we're working on it. We're getting there. Yeah. So who would you recommend running ads for? Does it depend on like the skills of the person or like what kind of product that they have? Because it's not, it's not that easy, right? Running ads. I mean, you have to 
Right. You have to try lots of different things, target different groups, try different ad, ad copies, different use different images, maybe also exper- experiment with different offers. Um, like how much time and focus does it does it take? Is this like what you spend most of your day on or, or not not really? Like can it be Yeah, done? I mean yeah, it, it really like if for us at least it should be a full-time job. So yeah. like and that's part of why we're trying to get away from it because it's just running these paid ads ends up eating up a lot of our time. <laughs> um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if we were able to hire somebody that had, uh, you know, PPC ad background, then that would be a different story. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of why we're trying to get away from it is, you know, if we can get our affiliate stuff up and running, really well and and start like seo is something that we've never really done anything with so i think i think and i think that was a mistake um like i said we're learning as we go with the marketing side of things but um yeah i do feel like we should have focused on affiliate stuff and and um seo more early on and get that stuff in place so that you can be stable from that traffic and then paid ads can be something that you do on top of that yeah you know once you have sort of stable revenue yeah so i think the thing with ads is that at least it could be a you know a good way to scale the, your business in the short in the short term because it rather rarely works out in the long term but then the disadvantage yep. is that you know there is just 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 this opportunity cost right like all the time that you're focusing on on the ads and making all those you know the, the funnels and the ads work um, yeah, that's yep. the time that you cannot do important things to stabilize a business like, I don't know, for example, growing organic traffic, fo- yeah, focusing on SEO, all yep. those other things that you mentioned. Um, okay. Any other recommendations for, for other entrepreneurs? Like share, share, us, share with us your number one, <laughs> the number one lesson that you learned over the last five years. The number one lesson. The number one lesson, or just <laughs> oh, you know man, something that's... that you that you would recommend to somebody who gets started with this, who has a product, and doesn't know what to do. Yeah. So, mm, I think I'd say. So one of the things that I think maybe was a mistake that we made early on is that we jumped into the thing full time yeah. from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing and we were probably overconfident it was going to work yeah Uh, and it has worked but it's been a really rough slog so i would say uh don't jump in full time unless you know (laughs) you know you know that it's going to be uh successful or if you know uh it's better to to start out as a side project and uh you know build up from there and then once it's doing well then you know you can start yeah. You can leave your day job or whatever and start doing it. But um, mm. yeah, personal stability first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I see what you mean because I, th- I think it's a very typical mistake because we all think that we have the best products, right? Yep. But yep. yeah, in reality, you know, sometimes it turns out that nobody wants the thing that you've created and that can be very frustrated. So I guess it's really a matter of, you know, again, that validation process. I mean, you guys, yep. you guys did a Kickstarter campaign which is, of course, a way yep. to validate the product, but also um, 
maybe something that we've learned from this interview. Yeah, you can also just reach out to to bigger companies and, and see if they're interested. Like you reached out to Peter from Innovative Language and um, and Mike from Plico, right? It's also a way to yep. make it work. Anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think if you have something that's valuable and you reach out to somebody that's got a bigger audience and they see that it's valuable, I think that can be a really good way of you know building your, your first audience because you know they can. Uh, well, to give another example, um, when we were doing our our Japanese Kickstarter, I think it was in the middle of the Kickstarter, Gabe Weiner from Fluent Forever reached out about it, or I can't remember if he donated. I reached out to him, or if he just reached out to me. But anyway, we did a Skype call and he really liked what we were doing. And so he sent out an email to his whole list about our Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. You know, so if you, if you have something good, then people that are, you know, already more successful than you are going to be a lot more willing to share it with their audience. because you know, they want to provide value to their audience too. Yeah. So that can be a really good way of, uh, you know, mm. of reaching people. Yeah. Any tips on how to reach out to like company owners or like people who run big blogs because i mean i also run language booths right we sell language courses as well mm -hmm. and we receive like yep. every day we receive a few emails from like app app developers and uh, like people who have created something that say hey can we write a blog post or can you do a review of our products um yeah yeah how, how, how did you guys do it like any any recommendations there Um, tricky one, huh? <laughs> maybe because I never really thought about it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm the type of guy. I just I just shoot out an email and see what happens, you know. So yeah. Uh, but at, at the same time, we didn't do much of that early on, except for Plico, who we are kind of new. Um, and so it wasn't until later when we had already sort of established ourselves that I started reaching out to people and a lot of people were like, Oh yeah, I have your dictionary. I love it. You know, so they were uh, happy to, yeah. to, to talk. So yeah, maybe uh, another, another benefit there on other reason why it works is because you guys are operating in a very small niche, right? It's not even languages. It's, it's more niche than that. It's, it's, it's Chinese or Chinese characters. And I guess, yeah, it's again, another benefit. Of, yeah. It's, of it's a very language. specific thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, it's hard to come up with, unless you've got a really mind blowing new approach to, to learning language, it's hard to come up with, you know, a new product that's going to just blow people away. If you're not in a very, very specific niche, like another example is, uh, in Chinese, you know, there's mm -hmm. super niche because it's, I mean, learning Chinese but it's with cute cartoon cats, that's not going to appeal to everybody, but it yeah. really appeals to their niche. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's the same. Like yeah. we also had Idansa on the show of Mimic Method. He was. Um, oh yeah, big fan. Yeah, it's like it was like at the beginning of this year, and um, so he has a basically pronunciation courses. Right, he focuses on how to learn the language through mimicking. Uh, mimic. Yeah. I always struggle with that word. Um, yeah, but yeah, for mimic. But for him, it was very easy to reach out to all these bloggers because you know he they didn't see him as a competitor it was very unique what he was doing. And I think it's the same thing yeah. with you, like, like you can reach out to, to Peter Galante or to, I don't, I don't know, I will teach you a language language booster. You can say, Hey, we have this very specific thing. And yeah. you know, all those guys who have a list of people who are interested in, in 
in, in Chinese, those people are also going to be interested in, in characters, right? And if they don't have the product of themselves, Perfect. then why not just recommend yep. something else they think is really good? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, John, for sharing all your experiences, all your insights here on the podcast with us. Where can yep. people find you or get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what it is you do? And uh, yeah, maybe just send a message and say thank you for this, uh, for the interview. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So we're, um, our website is www.outlier-linguistics.com. Um, people can also find us on Facebook, Outlier. I think we're called Outlier Chinese and Outlier Kanji Dictionary. So we have two Facebook pages, uh, Instagram too, or you can just email me, john at outlier-linguistics.com. Are you at a point where you feel you need some expert help? then make sure to check out our Langpreneur coaching programs at langpreneur.com forward slash coaching. For now, thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.